Welcome to episode 346 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of speaking with National Geographic Explorer and creator of Nat Geo Photo Camp, Kirsten Elsner. Kirsten's passion for making a difference in the lives of youth shines through in this week's episode. This week, we learn all about Nat Geo Photo Camp and hear stories about how this program is making a meaningful impact. Before we dive in, I have some people that I want to thank. These kind and generous souls have stepped up to support the podcast financially on Patreon. Without this type of support, this show would not exist and I would not be able to create weekly podcasts, which I hope that you all enjoy. Since we operate on the value for value model, you get to decide how much to support the show based on your budget. I personally think that if you get any value from this podcast, any value more than zero feels fair. As such, thanks to Robert Rainville, Angela Fletcher, Christine Rasmussen, and Jeff Stasny. You are all awesome. If you would like to support the show as well, please visit patreon.com forward slash f-stop and listen, or check out the link in the show notes. All right, let's get to this week's episode with Kirsten Elsner. All right. Kirsten Elsner, it's great to have you on the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. Uh, Y'all reached out to me and had this great idea for this podcast, and I'm always looking for new and fresh ideas, and this one sounded really fun and interesting, so I'm I'm excited. Me too. Awesome. Well, for, for people that aren't familiar with you and what you're involved in, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, I'm Kirsten Elsner. I'm a National Geographic Explorer. And I am the founder and director of National Geographic Photo Camp, which I'm sure we're going to talk about today, but it's a photography and storytelling mentoring program for young people around the world. I'm from Pittsburgh, but I have lived in Annapolis, Maryland for many years. So I live on the shores of the Chesapeake Bay, and I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. And I would love maybe for you to tell us a little bit about your own photography journey and kind of how you got involved in National Geographic. Yeah, so if we want to go way back to the beginning, I started out as a photographer for a whitewater rafting company in New Zealand. So that was in my very early years. I was sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I loved photography, but I didn't have a job yet in photography. So I packed up my backpack and um, decided to do some traveling. I earned earned a bunch of money, you know, at home before I left and just saved it all up. And I got a job as a photographer for a whitewater rafting company in New Zealand on the Shotover River. Um, And fast forward many years now, in uh, 2019, up until this year, we've done photo camps in New Zealand. So that's been pretty cool as well. Um, But my journey started there. And then I became a freelance photographer. Um, I worked mainly for organizations like the New York Times, the International Red Cross and Red Crescent, AFP, you know, wire services and things like that for a few years until I realized that while I loved doing that, I I wanted to do something a little bit more, uh, you know, where I could give something back with my photography. That's what kind of got me up in the morning versus trying to just get on the front page of the New York Times, which was very cool when I, you know, got to do that kind of work. 
but I didn't think that that would sort of drive me um, forward in my career. So, you know, so I started out as a, as a newspaper and freelance photographer for lots of organizations, and then that morphed into what I do now with, with PhotoCamp. I love it. I love it. And, and I think what's really exciting about the subject we're going to talk about today is that you're trying to inspire young people to undertake this craft that we call photography and do it in a way that's inspiring. And, and I'm excited to talk a little bit about it. So first off, just tell us what is PhotoCamp and how did it begin? Yeah, and actually, can I tag on to something that you just said? That is that, yes, we are trying to inspire young people, but something that I've learned that I think is important for maybe your listeners to know is that we are often so so much more inspired by the, the students, I think, than we ever thought we would, we would be. So I just wanted mm. to kind of riff off of that comment that you made um, yeah. because it sort of goes both ways. And I'd love, to, I'd love to talk more about that as we go along. So PhotoCamp is in its 20th anniversary year this year. It's a photography mentoring program designed to guide young people, inspire young people as they see the power of their own voice through photography. So we combine not only photography, but writing and, and other um, tools of storytelling to ask youth to tell us their own stories in their own communities all around the world. How did it get started? What was the impetus behind creating something that's focused on getting young people excited about photography? Yeah, I would say, you know, 20 years ago when we started, there weren't that many people and organizations doing these types of things. Um, happily, now there are. But back then, I just remember... Um, like I said, working as a newspaper photographer and, and working for wire services and things. And I wanted to do something in my own community. So I started a, a nonprofit organization called Vision Workshops. And the first thing that we did is to work with the Juvenile Drug Treatment Court of Anne Arundel County. And the idea behind it was to use photography and writing to ask youth to share their own stories and what they were experiencing and what they were going through. So it started there, just a, a small vision workshops program in my own backyard, run out of my bedroom in Annapolis, and then later on out of Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts, a, a local arts organization. And I really just loved working with young people and using photography as a, as a tool to be able to, you know, like we said, hear the power of their stories and, and hear it directly from, you know, what they were going through. So at that time, I was still freelancing. I remember at one point being in Bangladesh, and I had gone there. I'd been assigned to go there by the International Red Crescent after a cyclone. And I very vividly remember thinking, you know, I really want to put this camera in the hands of the people whose story is being told. And I just really have a heart for young people. I was, you know, young then myself, but I also, also just really had a heart for the power of their voices and started started there. Um, that, that's actually how, how this part of Vision Workshops and PhotoCamp was born, just, just that realization that the story needs to be told by the people whose story it is. Um, and that's, that's kind of where it began. So that was in 2001, 2002, and then in 2003, kind of brought that program to some colleagues at National Geographic. I used to be an assistant there, um, and just, I think I sent out a, um, an invitation to event an event we were having for vision workshops to some of the editors at National Geographic and that, that conversation just began. Some of my New York Times buddies and, and National Geographic buddies were talking about, 
yeah, we should be, you know, using this program from from the platform of National Geographic with all the amazing resources and talent and and just um, so sort of that name of National Geographic. What what could we do with that to bring that to more and more young people around the world? I love that. I I want to go back to something you said um, where you'd started out with the vision workshops. Vision uh, workshops. Yeah, I still have that organization. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I'm curious. You know, I've got a my master's degree is in clinical psychology, so I have a special interest in in counseling and psychology and things of that nature. And I'm curious through your work in that program, have you seen the use of the camera as kind of a therapeutic tool for some of these individuals or maybe tell us a little bit about how some, maybe a story about how that has kind of transformed someone's life. Cause I'm guessing you've seen a few of those stories. Yeah, and you know, I've, I'm very careful when we say that, that it's a life-changing program. <laughs> However, we uh, read every single evaluation and every note that students write, and we do know that that many students have told us that it has been quite a, a milestone maybe in their in their young lives as, as they are learning about the power of their own stories and the importance of their own voices. Um, I guess a story about that would be a young woman named Abigail who was uh, came from the DRC, and uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. And she, I worked with her during the Refugee Youth Project um, series that we did, and they're actually in Baltimore. So that's out of Baltimore City Community College. And I remember her sort of having a, a, a transformation as she went over the course of the workshops. And again, she worked on a series of workshops with us. And I remember her saying that she realized how important her story was and that it could potentially inspire other people. Mm. So it's it's about, I think it's about sometimes these young people knowing how valuable their journeys and their stories have been and, and when they can share that through photography, storytelling, writing. Um, we did a video with her. And I think she really leaned into and understood how important it was that she just wasn't sort of lost in the crowd, that, that she was working with others on that particular trip. It was on the Appalachian Trail in Shenandoah, Virginia, and we worked with a variety of young people who had been displaced, and they shared their stories with each other, which was hugely important, and then with, you know, with us and, and with places where we, you know, published the story and, and had it had it shared out there. So I think that's uh, one of the many stories of of transformation um, that have happened over the years. I love that. That's awesome. All right. Well, let's let's talk more about PhotoCamp. What is the selection process uh, for teens and young adults who would like to participate in something like PhotoCamp? Our program is completely based on uh, our, the success of our program is based on the partnerships that we have. Mm. So when you ask about the selection process, we work with partners in each and every community because we're, you know, I'm here in Annapolis, Maryland, National Geographic headquarters in Washington, D.C. We can put the program together. We can listen. We can learn about the communities, but we really can't do it without community partners. So in each location, our, our community partner um, is either a school or they have good contacts with schools or youth organizations, and they pretty much hand-select the students. They, they do it in all different ways and whatever is most appropriate to their community. So if they have a small group of students that are part of maybe an art class or a photography club or something like that, they will do a little presentation in the school, ask for who, you know, to find out who's interested, and then the teachers, sort of the community, 
makes that selection process. So we worked with 20 students at a time. So we're not looking for huge groups of students. We don't put out big email blasts or anything like that because I don't know if we've even talked about this, but the program is focused on young people who are coming from under-resourced communities and for a variety of reasons lack access to a type of program like this. It's a it's a non-tuition-based program. It's a free outreach program of National Geographic Society supported by NatGeo as well as um, outside funders and donors and things like that. So there's no cost to participate for the mm. students. For that reason, we don't just put out big blasts out there, you know, like, hey, apply for this. It's more, we want to work in specific communities. Um, often National Geographic explorers have ideas and have good, deep relationships in communities where they know that there are youth who are, uh, who would really benefit from the program and who kind of lack access to this type of programming. Oh, that's awesome. And so tell us a little bit about um, how long PhotoCamp is, how many people attend at a time. Maybe tell us a little about the structure of how it operates. Yeah, so PhotoCamp is generally a five-day program. Sometimes in our international locations, it can stretch to six days. But um, five to six-day program, we have 20 students that we work with. And we, we provide the cameras for the students to use during the course of the week, all the equipment. They don't have to have you know, anything fancy, um, just their water bottle and, and themselves. <laughs> and uh, let's see, there's eight staff that work. So it's generally, you know, we sometimes have three to five National Geographic explorers. So those are, you know, photographers, storytellers from National Geographic Society that serve as mentors and then four team leaders. So that's, you know, eight staff and 20 students. So it's a great ratio. We also have our community liaisons and community partners sometimes send a chaperone or, a, you know, someone as well. So we have a really good support system for the students. And the team leaders, it's important to us to have local community team leaders. Just got back from Wyoming and we had three team leaders, you know, from the community that were photographers and community leaders and things like that. Um, but the structure, you know, we separate the students into or divide the students into four teams of five students each. So they each have their own little bonding, uh, you know, group that they go out on assignments and we can then all, you know, share in their stories together. That's amazing. It's um, a residential program. So they, you know, they stay over, we, for the most part, you know, we all stay together in a group. So it's, it's a very camp type atmosphere. Like I always try to find a place that has a good lodge with dorms and a campfire and, you know, that kind of thing. So we try to make it, it's not school, you know, we try to make it really fun and s'mores, you know, so, so I can't tell you how many times I've gone <laughs> to a photo camp to the campfire. And I, of course, I always go out and get graham crackers and chocolate and marshmallows. And so many students have been like, oh, are we having s'mores? I've never had a s'more. <laughs> you know? And so I love that part. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. And uh, how many of these do you do in a given year? Well, this year we, we've done and are doing 16. I think the most we ever did in a year was 19 or 20 back in 2019. And then of course, in 2020, 21, we pivoted to virtual programs, which were also super cool. I mean, we gathered, I, I didn't believe that it could be as wonderful doing a virtual photo camp. I was like, how's this going to work? But let's try it. And we gathered students. Like the first one, I think we had 35 students maybe from you know, 13 different countries, and they were all so isolated. But we came together, you know, uh, for five days in a row or six days, I think it was. 
and shared stories of what was happening in all different parts of the world during the pandemic. So I know that's not the question you asked, but I, I just wanted to mention that because it was a really interesting use of, you know, how we could do that things like that during the pandemic. Yeah. I will tell us a little bit about the types of photographs or I'm guessing there might be like little projects that come out of these camps or, you know, tell us about kind of what the end result of the photo camp is. Yeah, the end result, just on a practical level, is a, is a slideshow that we do on the fifth day. So it's quite exciting. Like it's only a five day program. If you think about it on the fifth day, we present their work in, in a public or a community um, presentation. And so it's a group, for the most part, it's a group show about the theme that we've decided to work on. So you might ask, how do you find the themes? Uh, <laughs> because that's all part of like what, what the final product is. And we try to reach out to the, we have some general ideas, but for example, I'm not from Botswana or, um, you know, the places that we're going to. So we try to reach out to the students in advance through our community, community liaisons and ask them what's important to the students. You know, what kinds of stories do you think that they would want to tell? What kind of assignment should we be going on? So we gather that information. But I have to say, when we get there on the first day, we really start understanding that a little bit more because the students don't know us, you know, uh, until that first day. But that first day, we sit, we explain, we welcome them to the photo camp family around the world. We explain that we're here to listen to their stories. And just over the course of the morning, even, you know, by the time we get to the afternoon session, which is like, okay, what kind of stories do you want to tell this week? And they're divided into their teams, they're comfortable with us. We really start fleshing out and developing the theme of that week. And then they go out and do assignments based on on these themes. And so it's very flexible. We're, we're really working on the We're very organized, but then we're also listening and working on the fly to make sure that we're covering the things that they want to cover. Uh, there's a writing assignment. So with all these with all this content that we gather, the writing and the photography and the audio, sometimes the songs that they sing at the campfire that we're recording, then we put that together in a final presentation at the last day of the camp. I love that. And then I'm guessing the end goal here is to empower uh, these youngsters to realize that through writing and through photography and through having some presentation skills maybe, they then have a voice and they're empowered to use that voice to tell the stories of their local community. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've started realizing over the years that they, they do already have a voice. It's just we are there to ask them to share it and to maybe hone some of the skills that they could use to, to share their voices and their stories. Nice. Um, you asked about some of the projects. You know, one of the assignments that we've done over the years is to have students write a letter to their you know, ancestor or mm. write a letter to their grandparent or their, their mom or dad or sibling, you know, so we have them write these letters. I think the ones that are particularly poignant are the ones where they write letters to their ancestors. And they also at other camps write letters to the future. So they're, they're really exploring their stories in a very personal way. And, um, you know, working in New Zealand with Pacifica youth and Maori youth that, is something that we've done really recently, and that really resonated uh, with those students. And then how do you combine that with photography? Well, then we ask them to make a photograph that represents someone in that letter that they're writing. And that they, it's just a very, I mean, if you think about it, like, wouldn't that be a fun assignment for you to do? 
you know, or just anyone, it, just for us to think about who our ancestors are, who will come after us in the future, and then to use photography to describe the world to those different populations of, of you know, relatives. So, wow, I'm really curious now. So you have five or six days to organize 20, 20, 20 kids. <laughs> and well, I'm thinking, I do some education myself, and I'm thinking, okay, you're, you're teaching them how to write. You're teaching them how to develop an idea around a, a concept or a subject. You're having to teach them concepts about photography, you know, aperture, shutter speed, all that fun stuff. Uh, how do you, yeah, how, how do you do all that in five days? <laughs> well, that's when I come back to we have eight people that are working on, like, we get there and it is, I'm telling you, Matt, it's like creative chaos. Once they sort of realize what they get to do, they get pretty jazzed about it. We're pretty jazzed about it. I mean, these are National Geographic photographers and explorers and other photographers, you know, and, and storytellers from around the world. And we're all coming together for this common purpose. We really want to hear and see the story of a place. I mean, I'm so lucky that I get to go to these different places and I'm not just a traveler or a tourist. I'm really learning about these places through the eyes of these youth. So to answer your question, like all of us play different roles and we're all, it's all a different team every single time. It's not the same team of eight people. So that is another, no doubt. I was going to say challenge, <laughs> but that's another opportunity in itself right. because we all land there, you know, two days before or whatever, we're trying to figure it out. We meet the students, we fall in love with the students the first day. They're so incredible, have so much to say. And then, you know, I generally take on the writing aspect of it. And so I wouldn't say I'm, we're like teaching them to write. We're asking them to tell us a story and then it's not perfect. You only have five days. So, you know, you're staying up all night, you're reading through all their, their essays and things like that. And then you meet with each of them during the next day and you edit and revise. And then they jump into the next session where they're editing and revising their photographs. So it all kind of blends together. But I think I've never really thought about that completely, but it's because there are 20 of them and eight of us and they're, we have it designed so well that they're in their teams, they're out on assignment and it's down to the wire for sure. <laughs> it's not like we have tons of extra time at the end of the day. We usually leave. Maybe that's why everyone's always crying at the final show because we're exhausted. There's not a lot of sleep that goes on in terms of the staff. But we just try to make it fun. And like I said before, it's not school. And I say that a lot on the first day. We just want them to have fun using photography, writing. You know, the first when you when you give the writing assignment, they're always like, how many pages? How many? What's the word count? And I always have to say, it's not school. Like, just tell us a story. Write it down in bullet points. It doesn't even matter. You know, sometimes, um, way back in the days of the juvenile drug court kids, those that was vision workshops before photo camp, and they really did not want to write. So I'd say, okay, just tell me your story, and I'll write it down. And then they started realizing, oh, this writing thing isn't that hard. Like, it's just telling my story. And so I think that was the way I quote taught them to write, just allowed them to speak their, their, you know, stories. Yeah. Really. Maybe you could tell us about one of the more memorable uh, outcomes of, of one of the assignments that you got to be a part of for, for photo camp. Oh, there's just so many <laughs> hard question. I guess I'll just think of a recent one in 2023 because there was a student that was, you know, kind of having some tough times in their life and even maybe on the camp a little bit, really didn't want to do a writing assignment. And I was like, cool, you don't have to do one. 
you know, but then they saw everyone else doing their writing assignments. And so they kind of inched towards me at lunch, you know, closer and closer. And they were like, okay, well, why don't I just tell you my story? Like I saw you doing with someone else. So I wrote it down a little bit. And then the next day they came back and, oh, can you, can, can you give that to me? Let me, let me fix it. You know, so I did. And then they fixed it. And it was beautiful. It was this beautiful piece of writing that came from the student. Their name was Mars. Um, and Mars just had this beautiful piece of writing. Never thought that they would stand up and read their piece at the final show with their really cool photographs that they had done with, you know, um, in, in collaboration with a photographer that we had there, Erica Larson. And, uh, but Mars stood up and read this piece that four days ago he, they were like, I, I just cannot write at all. I'm a terrible writer. So, you know, this whole thing transpired very proud of Mars. And then the next morning saying goodbye, Mars came up and wasn't a hugger, really, but gave me this huge hug and said, you know, no one has ever told me that I could write or that I could be a good writer. And now, you know, I've, I feel really confident about that. Uh, they were getting ready to start university in the next couple of months. And I think that really helped. Uh, that experience really helped Mars. Just a little bit of encouragement. So that one didn't have so much to do with photography. I've got plenty of other stories, but that one, you know, as we were talking about writing, um, that just, that meant a lot to me. And I've had so many um, exchanges like that over 20 years where I realized that just a little bit of encouragement, it has to be real. I think I would never tell a student that they were a super good writer or photographer if they, if they really <laughs> weren't, you know, getting, getting anywhere. But I try to be super honest, but try to find something in their photography or in their writing or in their storytelling that is, um, that that could use some cultivation and is and is strong and lean into that and I think it really you know that that type of encouragement helps all of us especially in the kind of crazy atmosphere that we're living in sometimes yeah, a lot of negativity yeah. I just try to you know keep positive and encourage maybe you could speak to what impact PhotoCamp has had on some of the participants that you've seen over the course of twenty years. Yeah, I mean, we always say that um, it doesn't really matter to us as a as a team if they end up becoming photographers. It's kind of cool when they do sometimes, but you know, there are thousands of them, then, and they're not all just really interested in photography. Some of them are just interested in having this experience. So um, that's my little caveat to say that there have been, I think, four now that have applied. Four of our alumni who have applied for Young Explorer grants at National Geographic and have, have become young explorers. So that's really huge um, just to see them become interested in the types of things that National Geographic Society does and, and has resources for and cares about. And they're kind of joining the family in that way. Um, there are others who, like I said, they're not going to become photographers. They, they thought it was a cool experience, but it was more about sharing their stories and things like that. So there's one young woman who I write about in the book. Her name's Karina. And she is, um, I think, part of her inspiration to go on to college and university was because of the confidence that she gained during the photo camp. Now, you can't say that that's the only reason that she went because, you know, many, many things, many factors played into her decision. But she was from an orphanage in northeastern India. Mm. And no one from that orphanage had ever gone to college. And 
um, she and a, another cohort of, of young women and men from the photo camp program are now part of this uh, group that has now gone on to college for the you know, first time in the history of the orphanage. So I keep in touch with her quite regularly. Uh, we talk two or three times a week, and she's just about to graduate from college. So there's, there's lots of stories, both known and unknown. We know the ones that are being, you know, the students that stay in touch with us. Um, we know their stories very well, and I can only imagine, I mean, we've worked with more than 3,000 students over the course of the years. So I'm sure that there are others that we don't even know about that have had, you know, these, these good outcomes from, from photo camp. I mean, I can see it in your body language and the way you're talking about this, that, uh, you know, having this program means a lot to you. And I'm curious if you could speak to what it feels like or what it's like to have a photography career that is purpose-driven in terms of not just being about taking photographs, that it there's an extra layer to how you're engaging with photography in a way that's having a positive impact on on the world we live in. Yeah, I hope I hope that that's true. I think if you're going to get up every morning and and do something, it should be useful in in whatever way that you find useful. And I loved photography when I did it as a, you know, when I was a photographer. I still consider myself a photographer but more a teacher and a mentor. So, I mean, I always, I have, I have two sons and I always say to them, you know, you get to design your own life to the best of your ability. And I think back when I was, you know, 20 years old and starting off on this career, I thought about that. You know, I thought like, what do I, what's going to motivate me to get up in the morning and do what I'm going to do? And then as I got older, got married and had kids, what's going to motivate me to take me away from these kids of mine, you know, because there's been a lot of travel and things like that. But I'm so thankful that I've had the opportunity to design something like this and, and create it. Because, yeah, I mean, you only get one, you only get one chance at it. And so I just wanted it to be something useful. And like I said, I've read the evaluations, and I sort of talk to the students. And I know that at least for, for some of the students that we've worked with, for many of the students that we've worked with, the team that has grown from this photo camp, this is not just me, but this, this entire team that now works um, towards the development of this program, I know it's been useful and beneficial to young people. I mean, you know, how do you use photography to do something useful? Well, in your in your podcast, you probably see that all the time. There's all kinds of um, positive benefits that can come from photography stories and things like that. It's, you know, to me, photography is a way to connect us with one another in a way that not many other art forms and, and mediums can do. So, you know, how can we do that for the benefit of, of young people? At least in my case, that's something I cared a lot about. For people who are listening who might want a little bit more of that in their life through photography, what advice would you have for them in terms of trying to engage in photography in a way that they might find more meaning out of it? Well, I would say that there's all, if you have a community at all, especially a photography community, I would bet that if people got together with photographers in their, in their worlds or in their communities, that they could put something together either along these lines or it doesn't have to be with young people it happens to be, you know, that's, that's the type of, uh, that's the audience that I hope to work with. 
but there's all kinds of uh, people who could benefit. Uh, my friend and colleague Lynn Johnson and I just did a photography workshop with young people on the autism spectrum. Mm. And that was a little bit outside of what it, I normally do with um, photo camp and with vision workshops, but it was just so impactful. And, you know, there are just so many communities of people that could benefit from something like this. So I would just say try, you know, talk to other people around you and try. And don't be afraid of, you know, the roadblocks that will be put in your way. When, it, when I first started this, there were all kinds of roadblocks. People were like, no, no, how are you going to get the money? Where are you going to get the cameras? How? But I just kept doing it. I just kept trying. And now, you know, we have this wonderful program that's, that's all around the world. I love that. All right. How do you envision uh, the evolution of PhotoCamp in the next decade? Uh, just to keep growing, keep designing, uh, and to do that through listening to our alumni and the new explorers, Nat Geo explorers that are coming into the program. We're really growing and expanding and trying to design the program and you know, using the tried and true uh, methods that we've had all along, but then bringing in new ideas. So, for example, one of our um, alumni who's been involved in several photo camp programs became a National Geographic Young Explorer and then pitched a, an idea for a photo camp in Huchitan, Mexico, near Oaxaca. And, you know, it was a wonderful idea. He had deep relationships in the community with students and community partners, and we did it. Like we, so things like that to, to keep growing with new ideas to keep leaning into this, you know, intergenerational mentorship that we have. So it's a circle of mentorship that comes. It's not like a top-down thing. It, it it starts with students and community partners and and community liaisons, and then the photographers and explorers and the staff. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Just this internet intergenerational approach to mentorship, where we're all learning from one another instead of um, othering the different generations that are, are involved in a project like this and like saying, okay, how can we work together with all the strengths of these different generations in a photography workshop and create something really beautiful and learn about each other's stories rather than worrying about, you know, they're from a different community or from a different background or a different age group. That, I think that's a really beautiful part of photo camp these 28 or 30 people that are together to create something on that last day at that final show where like I said we're all kind of crying and sad to see each other go and staying connected to one another like that's I think that's how that happens mm -hmm. so you you kind of alluded to this already but I understand that photo camp uh, has a book associated with it and yeah, I, I wish I had it here. To, it's over in the other room. <laughs> I yeah, just no. got the first advanced copy. Okay, so I'm wondering if you could tell us about the book and maybe tell us a story behind one of your favorite photographs that's in the book. Yeah, so it uh, the book represents 20 years of um, photo camp and really just shines a light on the voices of the young people. Um, so it was beautifully designed and edited by National Geographic Society and editors and, and writers and, and things there. But it is a just a compilation of some of the different assignments. We tried to weave it together so it had some um, cohesion and, and you could see the different assignments that have carried us through from in various places. I'd say one of my favorites, there's, they're all my favorites, <laughs> but one of my favorites that I'm just thinking of off the top of my head is this beautiful 
portrait that was done um, with one of our Refugee Youth Project students from Baltimore. And we made portraits of one another. We were working in the studio, and there's a beautiful portrait of her that her you know, student partner made of her. And then she wrote this beautiful poem about, you know, who am I? This is, this is my story. This mm. is where I came from. And I think at the end, I wish I could quote it, but it's, you know, message to the world, my mask is off and my journey has just begun. And it's just like this powerful portrait in writing and photography that things like that kind of are woven throughout the book. And I think there's a lot of hopeful, positive um, moments and a, a very positive tone to the book that reflects my 20 years because, of course, you can't generalize thousands of students all around the world. But in my experience, I have seen such optimism, hope, and shared stories of connectedness throughout all of our students in so many different kinds of circumstances around the world that we really do call them a photo camp family. My understanding is that the, uh, the book's final page features a note that one of the students left for another student. Can you describe the sense of community that you get out of, uh, from the students and out of photo camp? Yeah, and those notes are a great example because that was started by a student. Um, so we have, a, we have kits of 20 cameras that travel around the world. And some people say, oh my gosh, can't you leave the cameras? And we always wish we could leave the cameras. <laughs> Sometimes we have partners and um, sponsors that are able to find cameras that, that we can leave with the students. But in general, I would say, of course the students want to keep them, but they also understand that, it's, that these cameras are now going to another place in another mm. country. And I think they kind of love that. They love that it's a shared experience around the world. So one day, a few years ago, a student was just like, I'm just going to write a note to the person who's going to get the camera bag next and just pop that in the camera bag. And now we do that. We offer it as a, you know, they don't have to do it, but they always all do. Um, and so they, they're kind of excited when they get their camera bags and they read a note um, from a person halfway around the world that usually says things like, take good care of this camera. I think in the one in the back of the book says something like, these people will listen to you and share your story and don't be afraid and, and things like that. So <laughs> I remember in Louisiana, there was a student who had this bucket hat that he just loved and never took it out, took it off. And he knew that the camera kit was then going to a, an orphanage in Rishikesh, India. And so he hemmed and hawed about it as he was writing his camera bag note. And finally he whips it off his head and he stuffs it in the camera bag. He's like, oh, I'm going to give my favorite hat away and I'm going to give it to this student who I don't know in, in Rishikesh. So I was like, oh, that was sweet. I happened to be on the next camp in Rishikesh and I forgot about it. But the student opened up the bag and read this little note. It had the Louisiana kids, you know, Instagram handle and things like that and the bucket hat. So he put the hat on and I took a picture of him, sent it back to Pete in Louisiana. And now they are, you know, pen pal friends. I know that because they, they write to me all the time like, oh, we're still in touch, you know. And just little things like that, I think, are ways that we can connect with one another um, you know, outside the digital space of just texting and things like that. It's just like this physical note that they're writing to each other, which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to kind of steer us in a slightly different direction and then I'll bring us back again. But uh, I'm curious, so you talked a little bit about Instagram right there. And I was curious if you could maybe speak to, you know, how have platforms like Instagram influenced the global reach of the images and the issues that they represent that are coming out of 
photo camp? Yeah, Instagram is really a wonderful way for us to share all of the stories that we're doing. So I don't know if your listeners can see this somewhere, but it's at NG Photo Camp if they would like to follow us. And the students, you know, of course, we ask them, we before you know, we get their permission before we post their images. But of course, they all love to do that. They love to be tagged and they love to um, meet people from around the world just through through our Instagram. So it's one of the uh, ways that their work is shared. It's one thing to say, you know, we want to hear your stories. We want you to share your stories. So there's different levels of that. They share with one another and with us in the small, you know, microcosm of the photo camp. They share with their communities at the final show. Sometimes we get hundreds of people. I remember once in Oaxaca, the entire village came. There were hundreds of people. And so they really got to share their stories with the entire village. But then, of course, with the advent of you know social media and Instagram, we um, published their work on um, blog posts. Main, I would say Instagram is our, our main way of sharing their stories. It's such a you know photography platform, and, and we, we take excerpts of their writing. And that's a way for them to definitely share out with the world and then connect with one another because they find each other, you know, through through Instagram as well. It's the way that I get in touch with a lot of them. Like if there's an opportunity coming up and I was like, hey, we have a master class coming up. We'd like to invite you. I get to them on Instagram. They will never check their email or even their text messages. So I just DM them. <laughs> I know. And I'm like the opposite. I'm like, someone DMs me. I'm like, can you email me? <laughs> that's so funny. I, I was curious, though, I know you spoke a little bit about this earlier. What are the challenges in terms of funding a project like this? I mean, I'm sure it's, it's, I'm sure it's a perennial challenge that you're, you're constantly having to find funders or finding creative ways to keep, keep the project going. Maybe you could speak a little bit to what that's like for you. Yeah, at the beginning, there were lots of creative ways, I would say, um, because it just wasn't an established program yet. So I was spending tons of my time writing grant applications and things like that. So that, that's still something that we, you know, are we think about and, and are affected. It's, you know, it's not an unlimited supply of money out there to do things like this. But I will say that National Geographic has found ways to support the program, sponsor the program, and find collaborators and partners who are interested in this type of program as well. So it's it's very much a, much a team effort between it's all the money doesn't come directly from National Geographic Society, but a lot of it does and other uh, pieces of it for various regions might come from a regional partner or a national or international partner that understands and cares about the program. So I would I would say that it's not as much of a anxiety producing thing as it was in the very beginning but it's always something that we're thinking about and with equipment and things like that Fujifilm has donated cameras to the mm. program and that's that's been wonderful because they're a great you know uh, type of camera for us to use so we've I think people understand the value of it and it has I'm not gonna say it's just like a super easy thing to to fundraise for but I think people get it mm-hmm. and we've had some good luck cool all right, I'm going to shift gears one more time here. I'm guessing you're, you're going to have a really insightful answer to this question based on all of the different things you've been able to see through this program. You know, we live in an era where cameras are everywhere. Everyone's got a, got a camera in your pocket, right? Um, mm-hmm. And everyone's taking photographs. There are a dime a dozen these days. What advice would you offer to people who are looking to capture everyday life in a more unique way? Mm. Well, I would say that first of all, it's it 
doesn't, the camera itself doesn't really matter that much. It can just be the phone in your pocket. And more importantly than that, though, I would say think about telling your own story first. So I remember being a young photographer and, and also um, hearing from young photographers like, oh, you know, I want to travel the world. And, and that's all well and good and wonderful. But I'd say start with telling your own story because your own story is really important. Your own family, your own community, something that's happening that you care about in your own backyard that you want to advocate for. And it could be a big topic, you know, climate change, sea level rise, pollution. It could be something big, but start locally and personally because you really know the impacts in your own um, life and community. And don't forget about the people that are around you. You know, even even now at, at this stage in my career, I just realized I should be documenting my mom, you know, and, and I did started to do some portraits of her and some interviewing and some filming of her. And that's, I would say, for so many people, just kind of going back to those roots and understanding your own story. That's what PhotoCamp is based on as well. But that's that's the advice I'd give. I'm not, I'm not a big, you know, technical photographer, so I don't have that kinds of advice, but I would just say storytelling advice, start with your own story. Mm. And I, I'd imagine that once you're able to tell your own story, you become much more adept at telling other stories. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So relating to PhotoCamp, are there any upcoming projects or collaborations that you're super excited about? Yeah, I'm really excited. In the next couple of weeks, we're doing a uh, an alumni class, and that it oh, is neat. in celebration of the uh, 20th anniversary and the book launch. The book launch is on November 7th, and this is a program that's happening November 6th through 10th at National Geographic headquarters. And we've invited 16 students from around the world, and um, they're going to come and participate, connect with each other, connect with us. Um, we're going to pair them up so they can learn each other's stories. They will never have met each other. Like mm. there's a young woman from Afghanistan and another one from Tonga. And, you know, they'll, they'll be partners and they'll make portraits and learn each other's stories and share them. So I'm really excited for that one. Also, we have four team leaders coming in for that camp that are also PhotoCamp alums. So we're really trying to engage and bring in, bring together um, alumni from around the world, not only in that particular photo camp, but in our program overall. And then in regards to just PhotoCap in general or the book or anything else you'd love people to learn more about, how can our listeners engage or learn more about the project? Yeah, and again, um, Instagram. Yeah. Um, NG PhotoCamp is a great way to just see their ongoing projects as they're, as they're rolling along and to see the students' photographs and hear their voices um, through those captions that we're, we're putting out on Instagram and stories and things like that. Um, and there's a website as well that we can, we can post. Um, and is the, the book going to become for sale? Yeah. So the book launches on November 7th. It's already on Amazon. I think if you just Google on Amazon, um, pre-order photo camp stories, National okay. geographic photo camp stories. And yeah, great Christmas gift idea that can, I think that is actually, you know, we've never had a book before. So this is exciting. That's a great way to engage, to really see those stories on the printed page. It's that book is a wonderful representation of a wide swath of many photographer, young photographers that we've had the opportunity to work with their words and their pictures. Awesome. 
Well, I only have two more questions for you, and the first one's more of self, a selfish one in nature, but I would be remiss not to take advantage of having a, a National Geographic Explorer on the show. What advice would you have for photographers who would love to break into the National Geographic community in terms of, you know, getting assignments or becoming a photographer for National Geographic? I feel like that's something everyone is, like, dreaming about, right? And it's, like, the pinnacle of... So in some people's minds, it's like the pinnacle of success. So what, what would you say to that? Yeah, it was, it was my dream when I was younger, too, working for the New York Times. And I remember asking that question of some editors that I knew there. And they said probably what I would say now. And again, I'm, I'm not an expert. I don't work for um, the magazine or the channel or anything like that. I work um, you know, with National Geographic Society as an explorer. The advice that I got back then was you know, do stories in your own backyard. Do stories that you care about. Build your portfolio like really substantially before trying to pitch it to uh, National Geographic. So just kind of working on stories that you care about. Sometimes those have to be, you know, self-supported, self, self-motivated, self-driven stories that you care about and build your portfolio that way. Um, there's also ways to, I mean, if you look on National Geographic Society's website, you'll, you'll be able to navigate through there and see all kinds of ways that you can become involved with National Geographic Society. There's free um, courses that you can take. Uh, Storytelling for Impact is one of them that is done with Adobe. And, you know, so there's courses you can take. There are grants that you can apply for. I mean, that's not for everyone. You have to kind of be established and on your way. But there's, you know, um, grants that are available to young photographers. Um, so I would say, you know, research that site. Maybe we can put a link in the in on your notes and things like that um, for people to get involved with National Geographic Society. So that's just an important, you know, thing for people to understand is that there's National Geographic Society and then there's the magazine and the channel is, you know, so if you want to be a photographer for the magazine, that's kind of one route, but National Geographic Society is a place to look uh, look towards for for grants and other opportunities as well. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And uh, my last question, uh, who do you recommend for the podcast? Who's a photographer that inspires you that we should learn more about? Mm, only one. <laughs> You're allowed to pick more than one. You can do more than There's one. so many. Um, but Lynn Johnson is one of my um, heroes and mentors and colleagues. And she's she's just been an inspiration to me over the years as I've developed PhotoCamp, and she's she's also a colleague that works with me closely on PhotoCamps as well. Brilliant. Based out of Pittsburgh, but she's a national and international phenomenon photographer. <laughs> I love it. Well, Kirsten, this has been so fun. I learned a lot about PhotoCamp, and I, for some reason, I'd never heard anything about it until y'all reached out, so I'm, I'm excited yeah. to dig in and, and just, you know, check out the book and look at the website and it sounds like a really impactful program so thank you for for sharing that with us thank you so much and i hope that uh, you get a chance to see the book because it's really a way for the the students to to share their stories and, and words with you instead of through me so <laughs> brilliant well thank you to kirsten for the amazing conversation I'm excited to look at all the great stories that you're posting on Instagram for Nat Geo Photo Camp, and I highly encourage people to pick up a copy of the book. As you mentioned, it can make for a great Christmas present, so I've included a link in the show notes for everyone's convenience. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, 
collaborating with us and listening. See you next week.